Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I want to talk, maybe even, I don't know, maybe for the next few weeks, or we'll just see how we go, but I want to talk a little bit about leadership. And um, the reason is, is because I've been thinking more and more about the importance of us as believers being good leaders, because we're actually called, all of us, to be leaders in the kingdom. And I want to read a passage over us, which hopefully, if you've ever doubted whether you're called to be a leader or not, this should be able to put that to bed and uh, let the leadership rise up within you. It's from Deuteronomy 28, starting at verse 12. Uh, and I'm going to read the whole passage. I, I just gave the uh, media guys just one bit, but I'm going to read a little bit more than that. So Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. I'm reading in the NIV. And it says, yeah, I'll, I'll start from verse 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you'll always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. This is a promise to God's people. There's a clause there, if you stick to the commands. But if we are in Christ and we stick to his rules and his commands, then we can be assured we are called to be the head, not the tail. Have you ever in life feel like, especially when you're in different circumstances, you feel like you're actually the tail, you're the hidden one. No one's listening. Or what you've got to say is just kind of rubbish and you feel lesser. When actually the Word of God is saying to us, we're actually to be bold because we're the head, not the tail. It doesn't matter what people are saying in the workplace. It doesn't matter what people think of you. You are called to be the head, not the tail. And so on that grounding, I base what I'm going to share today about leadership. Because when I think of leadership, Actually, you think of headship, don't you? You think of being at the top. You think of leading people, having influence. And so that's where I'm going to start today. I'm going to share, and these are just five observations of mine. I shared some of these with our interns this week, and they actually gave me some of theirs. So I've actually blended some of theirs in this as well. And so I've called this five attributes of a good leader. Five attributes of a good leader. John Maxwell is a very famous Christian leader, and he has a lot of influence around the globe in leadership, both in the secular, in the world, and in Christian circles. Probably one of the most well-known uh, voices on leadership. And he simply puts, he says it like this, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. And when we think of it like that, and we think of it as Scripture tells us, we're actually called to be the head, not the tail. 
well, then we've got some things we need to look at sometimes about our own lives to make sure that our leadership and our influence is of the best quality it possibly can be to influence people for good. Because I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do is be called to a leader and have influence and blow it because my character isn't very good or because I'm still gossiping or still whinging about things that are just not worth whinging about or worrying about things that I shouldn't be worrying about or having an effect uh, that is slightly toxic that is not healthy for people. I don't want those things in my life. So I often review. And so this is kind of some self-review, starting with personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. I believe good leaders know how to take personal responsibility. That is, they rein in their tongue when they need to. They rein in their behaviour when they need to. You'll find that often they are self-governing. They're good at self-managing their own heart and their own lives. So they won't let things just get out of control because emotionally they're just you know, on a high or a low or a real downer or things are just getting out of control. They'll actually be very good at self-managing, self-governing. Because leaders have to lead other people so they know people are watching and they know if they blow out a tyre over that scenario that shouldn't have been blown out, then other people are just going to look and go, ah, that was kind of awkward. I don't want to follow that person. And so we may not know it, but subconsciously we're always looking out for leaders. We're always watching people. And the world is always watching people. It's interesting because the movie star Chris Pratt has come out really boldly in the last year with his faith, and it's great, great to see. And uh, he's copping a whole load of stuff from leftist agenda, you know, people. And, um, and so they don't like him. They love his movies. But just keep your Christian stuff to yourself. You know, they love his humour. They love watching him in Hollywood. But, but why did you have to come out talking about God? And saying you're a Christian and you go to a church. Why, why do that? Well, he's done that because that's who he is. That's who he is. And that's probably why God's promoting him. Because we need some good Hollywoodites raised up who know Jesus and want to actually speak truth. But it's actually going to sometimes cost us something to have personal responsibility. To have good governance as chairman of the school board. It's one thing I've always got in the back of my head is governance. Governance, 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 governance. I know Jenny does this and board members and governance, governance. We're always thinking about governance. But this comes back to personal governance. Governing our tongue, governing our hearts, governing our time, governing what we say, who we influence, how we influence people. And Galatians 6, 5 says this, For each one will bear his own load. And that is, we don't worry about everyone else's stuff. We worry about our own. And as long as we're managing our own really, really well and taking responsibility for our own, the rest will take care of itself. Hey, someone might even look at the way we're managing our own lives and they're probably going to learn a lesson. Because if they're good leaders too or aspiring to be leaders, then one thing, another thing, and this is just a PS because it's not a main point of mine, another thing good leaders are is they never stop learning. They're always watching people. They're always watching quality leaders going, what can I learn from that leader? What can I learn from that leader? What can I learn from that leader? And they're soaking it in all the time. And so other people are watching you. Yeah, Do you know that? Other people are watching you. This week, they're going to watch you. When you're offended, they're going to watch how do you react. Do you hold your tongue? Are you able to maintain composure? Or are you going to flip out, blow out, and, and everyone just goes, oh, here we go again. They lose confidence. Lose confidence. 
And so it's a really important thing. And the second thing to say about taking personal responsibility is in today's world, and you'll see this, um, you, you'll see it's just a, it's a phenomena in today's world, and it's called blame shifting. Blaming everyone else for every problem that you've ever had. And, and you know, the victim mentality. I, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. And there's people now who aren't even victims pretending to be victims to get some kind of influence. It's ridiculous. And even if we are victims, actually, we're not wanting to promote ourselves and gain influence through our victimhood. We're actually wanting to get healed. And so as believers, we never use... Uh, blame or victim mentality or even our bad circumstance as any sort of weapon against other people because then we're actually using it for what the enemy wants. He wants to impress pain. He wants to impress victimhood. He wants to keep us in a chain, in a jail of victimhood so we can blame everyone else but never take personal responsibility for our own lives. And you know what? We're face to face with Christ Everything else is kind of, it happens in life and there's people around us and it's all good. But ultimately, we are face to face with Christ. What do we do with him? What do we do when we look into his eyes? What do we do when he looks into our heart? There's no blame shifting. There's no one around. There's no one around. It's just us and him, me and Christ. And he's looking and he's, he's reviewing. He's reviewing our own hearts. I believe he does it every day. I let him do it every day. And it's one of those conscious things I do to take personal responsibility. So, and if I have been blame shifting, you know, I get a good reminder that, hang on, that was just my stupidity. It wasn't anyone else. And even if it came from a place of hurt, I've got to deal with that at the cross, not with everyone else. It's very, very powerful when believers know how to take personal responsibility. We're not looking to anyone else anymore. We're not looking to other people to try and say, oh, that person did that, that person did that, that person's wrong, that theology's wrong, that's wrong. No, forget about all that stuff. It's us and Christ. Us and Christ. And we take responsibility and say, all right, Lord, it's time I got real with you. Have a look in my heart. Let's get it right. And when we get it right with him, do you know you can be one of the most boldest people in the room when you're right with Christ? When you've come fully clean with him, everything's out in the closet with him, you've got nothing to fear anymore because you're not hiding. You're not hiding any anxiety. You're not hiding any past little sins or secrets that no one knows about because he knows. You don't have to go to the, the Pope's confessional. I know he doesn't do confessional anymore. He did that in his apprenticeship. But you don't have to go there. You can go straight to the great high priest, Jesus Christ, and, and confess your sins and get it all out there. And it's all known by heaven. And then you're free. Then you'll know who you are. The second area is being self-aware. It's really similar to taking personal responsibility. So I've kind of joined them together. And my verse we'll read from is Romans 12, verse 3. And Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of him or herself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. And what this means is actually be humble. <laughs> be humble. I did a survey with the interns this week and and asked them, what, what's attributes of a, of a good leader? And you know, humility came out there quite strongly because it's something that we recognize. Now, I'm not talking about false humility, pretending to be humble. Some people are, are, are so humble about being humble. But actually, true humility before Christ, it still has a boldness in there. 
still has a boldness in it because we know who we are and we know what we're standing on and we know the word of God. And it actually says here, according to the measure of your faith. So if you're full of faith, you're actually going to be quite an out there person. And we've got extroverts and introverts. And being an introvert doesn't make you any more humble than an extrovert. So it's not personality related. It's actually Christ related. Being self-aware is to know who we are in Christ. That we are seated in heavenly places with him. But we've got a lot of work to do for our soul and our body to catch up with that knowledge. Because our spirit's there. Our spirit is one with Christ. And so we've actually got a lot of work. And and self-awareness is one of those fast-track ways of recognizing that we need the grace of God. We need the power of God. We need his anointing. We need his voice. We need his wisdom. We need his counsel. And so to be self-aware is actually someone who really quite often... Maybe 10 years ago, it's something that you'd have to prove yourself. And so out of that orphanness of needing to be needed and needing to be heard, we try and force our way into a situation where now we just go, well, I don't need to do that. (laughs) I've got Christ. I've got his calling. I've got his destiny on my life at the right time. At the right time, he'll raise me up. At the right time, he'll give me the voice. At the right time, he'll give me influence. And so to be self-aware, again, is to be Christ-aware rightly posturing ourselves. It's an interesting one. When we are self-aware, we'll actually know how to posture ourselves in a room at any one time, depending on who we're with. If we're with, with people who are really, really wise and super gray-haired and experienced, then um, because the Bible says there's wisdom in gray hair, I'm getting a lot more of it lately and I'm enjoying it. I'll take the benefits. But, but it's one thing that I have done absolutely resolutely for the last 10 or 15 years, particularly in business and in ministry, is whenever I'm in the room with people who have had more experience than me, I completely empty myself of having to know anything. And I just empty my cup and I just let their wisdom fill me up because I want to learn. And so I become a sponge. And so I just listen to them and I ask them questions and I value their time and I respect the fact that they've got more wisdom than I have. I don't tout myself or try to make myself, try to, you know, ego myself up there with the ladder with them. No, they've done more than I have. So I'm just going to listen. I'm going to hear what I can hear. And, and I do it so regularly. It's become a pattern of my life of just learning, learning, learning from great leaders. And it doesn't matter what realm, there's always something we can learn from great people around us. And then there's some others who posture ourselves too low. We have a poverty mentality about ourselves. We're so insecure even about our insecurities that we don't even know that Christ is in us. And sometimes he calls us to raise up our spirit and actually be who he's called us to be. So if you're one who always doubts yourself, I know this is going to just be way too simplified, but stop doubting. Stop doubting. Stop doubting that God is in you, that his call is on your life, that he's called you sometimes to have a voice and to speak up and have influence and and use the gifts and talents that God's given you because every single one of you has specific gifts that are desperately needed in this world. The world is crying out for your gift, for your voice, for your talent, for your prayers, for your influence. And I believe this is a key aspect of Christian leaders that God wants to make us so self-aware that we're going to know every realm how to be so wise, 
so wise that we'll posture ourselves with the right amount of influence in different realms. And it's such a key. Third one, consistent. Consistent. It's extremely boring. If you're a person who likes variation, if your personality just likes to always have a new project on the go, you're going to hate this one. Consistency. But I'm telling you, consistency outlasts almost anything else. And there's many, many leaders that would say that basically the person that outlasts wins. If you can outlast everyone else, then you're going to win. If you can stay strong in Christ, if you can have a consistency in him, you've won. You've won. You haven't given up. You haven't been shaken or you might have been shaken, but you got back on the horse and you got back into faith. Even though you didn't feel like it, you got back with him and you built in your life a consistency and a backbone that is unshakable. And it's amazing when you see someone who's been through some incredible stuff. They've been through really, really hard stuff, and yet they're, they're still going. They're still going. And you, you might know some stuff they've been through that other people don't know, but you know they're still going. And it does something. It, it increases your faith. It increases your faith. That's because they're, they're showing a quality of leadership, consistency, consistency. It's a really powerful one. James 1.17 says this, Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. With God, yes is yes and no is no. There's no variation. There's no shifting shadow. Now with us, there is. We have feelings. We go up and down. There's, and that's life. We're, we're still battling with all that stuff. But always remember that your Father in heaven never changes never changes. He is absolutely rigid in the fact that He loves you. He's absolutely sold on the fact that you have a calling and a destiny in Christ. It's why He sent His Son Jesus to die for you and to die for me so that we could be raised up into the heavenly places, into our calling and destiny in Christ. We can't do it on our own. Or if we do, we'll probably fail or we'll go off on a tangent. But our lives are called to give glory to Him. And so consistency is really, really powerful. Fourth one is inspirational. I think leaders are generally inspirational. You look at them, you listen to them, and you're inspired. When I read the words of Jesus, when I read Paul's letters, I'm inspired because they were great leaders. Of course, Jesus, the greatest leader of all time. The Apostle Paul, a man who was broken and offended the church, offended uh, all the things of Christianity and then came to Christ and then became one of the great generals of history. The great generals. How did he do it? He did it in Christ. But he was inspirational. Why? Because he tapped into something with heaven and he molded it with his life and then he released it to people around him inspirational, inspire. It's one of those things that you never really grow tired of as a human because we always need inspiration. We always need it. The world is looking for inspired believers who are creative, who have incredible things to say, who have the wisdom of Solomon, who have amazing attributes in their life that the world can look at and the workplace and people around us can look at and go, my goodness, they're inspirational. There's something on their life. Now, I've heard this all my life that, 
that, you know, that kind of saying that people will look at us and they'll, and they'll see. Well, it, it truly happens, I believe, when we do. Seriously think about our lives. Because what happens is when we get born again and get to know Jesus, I don't know about you, but I've noticed over my 43 years of life, it doesn't automatically then domino effect good character, forgiveness, wisdom, not offended anymore, not bitterness, not toxic, not gossiping, all these things we're told not to do. All of these things generally stay in our nature. Now, I'm stepping on eggshells here this morning because we're meant to be a new creation. But it very rarely happens an instantaneous when someone gets to know Jesus that all of those things just disappear from their life. Why? Because there's something called the appropriation of the cross of Christ. We have the responsibility when we become born again, our spirits are free and clean and a new creation in Christ. But I don't know about you, but my body didn't change. I didn't all of a, become, all of a sudden become cut and, you know, six pack and super fit and healthy. It, it's happened now, of course, but it didn't instantaneously. And same with my thinking. I didn't instantaneously walk out of an altar call after being saved and, and just everything's rosy and someone can offend me and I'm just like, bless you, brother. It may happen to a few people and that may be the ultimate end game. I pray that is. But 99.9% of us have to appropriate the work of the cross of Christ daily. Paul says it, I die daily. Why does he say it? Because he knows his flesh. He knows he's weak. He knows he's a man. And he knows his temptations. He knows his mind. He knows his thinking. And I do as well. So I have to die daily. I have to crucify the flesh, as Paul says. And he doesn't mean physically go and put nails in our flesh. What he means is we have to bring our weakness and our humanity before Christ every day and say, Lord, wash me clean. There's some preachers out there saying you never have to pray for forgiveness. I think that's rubbish. For the 43 years that, that I've known Jesus, and you know, I know that means from my mother's womb, but it's probably true. I was in sermons in my mother's womb, that's for sure. But it's one of those things. I believe we should ask the Lord for forgiveness. I believe we should repent of our sins. And if you're like me, daily. If Paul had to die daily, and Paul was a pretty good Christian, you know, especially later in life. I think he was a fantastic Christian. If he had to die daily, I've got to die hourly. I do. I believe repentance is a very important part of being self-aware, of being a good leader, of actually being one who takes accountability for our sin. If we don't repent, who's going to take account for our sin? Jesus may have done it, but are we aware of that? And are we evidencing that? And are we living that daily? And are we actually expressing the cross of Christ? Or do we still hold grudges? See, if we're holding grudges and we never repent, who's responsible? And so I believe this is an important part of the gospel that we have to get clear in this day and age. I believe to have personal responsibility and leadership influence in our world, we need to have a relationship with Christ where He's right in front of us. And when we step out of line, we're right there saying, oh man, I stuffed up again. I stuffed up again, Lord. And I repent of that sin and I bring it to the cross. Forgive me, wash me clean. And even just saying those words, you're going to feel better. And so being inspirational actually means being filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. 
filled with His ideas, filled with His thoughts, filled with His creativity. Because when we think in the Spirit, we generally will begin to think thoughts that we don't normally have. Why? Because we're not limited by our flesh anymore. When we think in the Spirit, we actually think with our new nature. We think with our new creation. And that's one with Him. And so our oneness with Him begins to dream a little bit bigger, dream a little bit purer. We, we don't think in our own rejection and weakness anymore and our own naivety and, and our own limitations. We think with Christ. So we begin to dream and we think, wow, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in my life? And have inspired thinking. And that's what being inspirational does. The last thing is be willing to do the tough stuff. Now, this one I think came from Jonah. He came up with this one, and so I stole it from Jonah, but it's a very, very relevant one. As leaders, as you all are in the body of Christ, you're the head, not the tail. He's called you to be an arrowhead, not just the feathers that direct the arrow, but an arrowhead. That actually means you're going to pierce through some stuff. And when you pierce through some stuff, there's normally some tearing. If you've ever experienced this when you've spoken out as a leader or as you tried to have influence for Jesus or you've, you've actually tried to stand up for righteousness, it's not always a thing that is warm and fuzzy. Sometimes there's opposition because do you know what? The enemy's standing there with a few arrows back at you and he wants to get back at you because he does not like people who stand in their righteousness and stand in truth and speak the truth. Now, I'm not meaning we have to go and protest and do everything, go on YouTube, abusing everyone who's against us, because we're still going to have wisdom. Still going to have wisdom. Maybe God's calling us to that, but there's occasions and there's specific people, I believe, that He's raising up with great articulation. Great articulation. And, uh, and they're great mouthpieces for this. But we are called to use the arrow that He's given us. Whatever arrow He's given you, whatever influence you've got, use it. Use it. It doesn't matter if people don't like it. If it's of God, and if you know that it's right before Him and you know it's right in the, in the culture of heaven, and you know what I mean by that, it's not just some random thing that you're just throwing out there to cause a drama, but if it's actually something that's right before heaven and, and right in that setting, then you go for it. And I put those waivers there because sometimes just the odd random person will come and say, all right, I'm your arrow, Marty. It's time to lift the roof off the church or something crazy like that. So if you've got a random thought like that, then you can pay for it. And <laughs> but I'm talking about kingdom things, kingdom things, kingdom culture things that actually are right by heaven, that you know there's a calling. And, and I want to encourage you, don't hold back because God needs all of us in our leadership capacity stepping out as arrowheads for the kingdom. Arrowheads for the kingdom. Arrowheads are very sharp. I've learned this over 10 or 15 years of, of firstly owning our business and having hundreds and hundreds of staff that not everyone likes the decisions you're going to make. But it, I'm telling you, humanity needs Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, God-centered arrowheads. I want to give you an example. In the work setting, I realized that a lot of our work guys at the time, we had about 70 odd employees in the first year of owning our business so we were lean and green and um, and anyway I realised that uh, drug taking was a big issue in the workforce and uh, it tends to be that way when you're hiring a lot of people from down south down here you've got two common themes with young men young adolescent men you've got marijuana and surfing 
And so whenever there was 10 guys away, I'd check the surf report and I'd know, yes, there's surf on the mid-coast and that's why they're not here. And so, um, but also we would have a lot of happy people. (laughs) They were just supernaturally happy all the time. Anyway, so one day I'm, I, I decided I've got to do something about this. This is a bit of a hazard because it wasn't just marijuana. It was starting to get into speed and other stuff. And so we had a couple of incidents near misses, if you like. And I always remember um, I'd, I'd hired this firm to come in and, uh, and do some drug testing and, uh, you know, just do a bit of analysis on the business, how the health of the business in that sense. And they brought in sniffer dogs. And so this guy's a big ex-cop. He brought in a big German shepherd dog. As soon as he walked in the factory, I saw one of our guys bolt up the road. <laughs> up Heath Street in Lonsdale, he just bolted up the road. And I'm like, where's he going? And um, anyway, so we che- he was the storehouseman. And he went into the store. He was selling marijuana bags from our storeroom. So I'm thinking he's giving out safety vests and, you know, here's your, um, here's your safety mask. Here's your boots, here's your gloves, here's your safety glasses, here's all this. Oh, by the way, here's a bag of marijuana as well, just to keep things flowing today. Well, we never saw him again. Literally, I have never seen that guy again. As soon as we bought the the German Shepherd sniffer dog in, he was just gone. Never heard from him again. That's what sometimes will happen when you use the arrowhead of the kingdom. Some people will run from you. They will absolutely run from you because they'll be repulsed by the pure spirit that you carry. It wants to cleanse people's hearts and some will be offended. So expect it. Expect some people to turn away from you. Why? You don't understand. You haven't even done anything wrong because there's a pure arrowhead coming through you of leadership. And believe me, sin doesn't like that stuff. The, the, the sin in humanity doesn't like purity, doesn't like righteousness and leadership and authority and right living with the Lord. So I'm going to end on that. I want you to stand. Thank you. Thank you. I've gone a little longer today just just because I wanted just to share some of those things. And I've got loads of other leadership things that that I want to share in, in the coming weeks or months or because I really believe God is passionate. He's passionate about incredible leaders in the kingdom, incredible leaders. And every single one of you is called. Every one of you is called. If you don't know Jesus here today, then get to know Him. Get to know Him. You, you, you need Jesus to fully explore your destiny. You need Jesus to fully discover who you are. You need Jesus to fully discover the great inheritance that you have for a happy life. It's not a bag of marijuana. It's a saviour. It's a redeemer, a healer, a Lord in your life who will take over. And when you give everything to Him, He can do incredible things with your life. Raise your hands this morning. I just want to pray over us this morning. Lord, I thank You for every person here this morning. I pray for a fresh anointing of leadership over us as a house. Lord, that You'd raise up great men and women who were called by you, who have incredible minds and attributes, Lord, that you would give them so much influence 
You would give them influence in the kingdom, in the marketplace, in educational sectors, political sectors, in the world, in all sorts of corners of the world. Lord, I pray that Your hand would be strong upon us. And Lord, we thank You that Your Word over us is that we would be the head and not the tail. And I just want to prophesy that over everyone here today. You are called to be the head and not the tail. Don't reject yourself anymore. Raise up in the power and the authority of Christ in your life. And you are called to have influence. Influence. Lord, I pray for a spirit of leadership influence over every person here. Lord, I thank You for them. I thank You for their life, for their calling, their destiny, and for every good thing You've called us to. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.